From the campuses of East Tennessee State University in Johnson City, Tennessee, and Emory and Henry College in Emory, Virginia, this is Religion for Life. I'm John Chuck. Religion for Life explores the intersection of religion, social justice, and public life. Today's guests embody all three concepts. Mike and Leah Short are the managers of Artisan's Village, a fair trade retailer in the King Center in Johnson City. And they are here to talk with me about Artisan's Village itself, as well as the whole concept of fair trade. Mike and Leah, welcome to Religion for Life. Thanks for having us. Well, I am very glad you're here. Tell me about um, uh, Artisan's Village. Uh, how did it, when and how did it get started? Well, we were actually in uh, Chiang Mai, Thailand uh, in April of 2012. It was during the hot season. Uh, I promised to never go back to uh, Southeast Asia during the hot season again, if I can help it. Um, we were, through Leah's mother and father, we were uh, introduced uh, at a distance to uh, some folks in Australia who were uh, pursuing basically what we have pursued here in Johnson City, and that was uh, a fair trade store that would open up a market uh, that had never seen fair trade products before with any regularity. Um, they really inspired us, encouraged us. We were able to follow their progress uh, through their website. And we were at a place in our life where we were trying to um, figure out where it was that God was leading us. And uh, that would, it would give us the opportunity to have more time with our daughter, um, possibly be closer to, um, have her closer to her grandparents. And as we came on our trip home, we began to think real strongly about this possibility of, of a fair trade store and uh, the need for something like that in East Tennessee. So tell me a little bit about what fair trade is. Uh, fair trade is uh, based on an open, transparent, tra international trading relationship. And the idea is that um, organizations, groups, and people here in the United States will um, go out into the third world into the developing world, find artisans and growers that are being exploited for their labor. And through this structure that we call fair trade, we're able to offer them um, a fair wage for the work that they do. We guarantee no child exploitation. We guarantee no slave labor, no sweatshops. It's environmentally friendly. Most of the products are, are handmade. And so how big is fair trade? Uh, what, what sense of um, how many people are involved in it? How many stores, for example, are like Artisan's Village? Roughly in North America, there are, there are 250 fair trade stores in, in, the, um, in the system um, that we work within. Worldwide, in 2010, the estimates were that fair trade in, do in American dollars was somewhere around $5.8 billion. Uh, that is growing at about a, a clip of about 10% per year. We represent artisans and growers from approximately 28 different countries right now. Um, if you, you can go to the Fair Trade Federation website or um, Fair Trade Organization, and you can find the 10 principles, generally accepted principles of fair trade. Um, and, they're all, and one of that is that it's going to come from, one of those principles is that it's going to come from um, a, a developing country. And which would be Thailand. Mm. Yes. And that, uh, and that, Leah, is where uh, you grew up. 
I did. My can, you, can you tell us a little mm -hmm. bit about that? My parents are missionaries in Thailand, have been for about, I think, 36, 37 years. Um, I was born there and was pretty much raised there. We'd come back on furlough every four years. So I pretty much, the, the majority of my childhood was spent in Thailand. So, What is, what is life like in Thailand? Um, hot, like Michael said earlier, uh -huh. <laughs> um, but it's 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 very rich in culture. Um, they're very laid back. They're very friendly people. It's called the the land of smiles. Um, is what their kind of their tagline is because they're very friendly people. Um, just really really cool. Um, you know, differences, very, very different from the States, um, very tropical country. So you get a lot of really um, good food, good, good fruit. Um, yeah, it's a really cool place. Well, did you notice some of when you lived in Thailand, even growing up, some of the, the disadvantage of the uh, exploitation of the unfair uh, corporate uh, trade practices? Yeah, we really did. Um, in Thailand and Asia in general, um, the sex slavery is very, very prevalent over there. Um, people buying um, people's children for the sex trade. And mm. so that was very prevalent over there. I saw a lot of that. Uh, my parents, their organization and their mission, they also work with um, people who have the HIV virus and they no longer have are employed anymore and they need a way to earn a living. And so we also sell their products because they make mulberry paper cards and bags and now some jewelry they're starting to do. So we, um, through that, we were able to kind of see in a broader sense of how that really helps people and um, how it can support them. So I'm thinking that growing up as a missionary, uh, caring for social justice and for people, that fair trade uh, seemed to be a natural uh, evolution for you. Yeah, it really was. I mean, it wasn't too big of a leap for me. Um, I was really be I was seeing it most of my life, and so it was more of a um, an issue of you know how could we as a couple um, do that. So. Well, I'd like yeah, to yeah, touch, please. Come I'd on, like to touch on something uh, regarding the uh, human trafficking. Mm -hmm. um, looking at, uh, I believe it was last year's UN figures on human trafficking, it topped $32 billion annually in sales. Um, they have, they currently, we are finding now that uh, drug cartels are suspending drug, op drug trafficking operations in lieu of this new market that, has, that we found, and that is in human trafficking. It's the fastest growing criminal enterprise in the world, and my hat goes off to governments around the world who are, tr who are even though they're behind the curve on this, they're trying to catch up, they're trying to put measures in place, they're trying to enact laws that will punish wrongdoers. Our perspective on that is, while all of that is a good thing, and we need those protections, in, structural protections in place, we feel like that fair trade gives us an opportunity to prevent that from happening because once you catch somebody who's involved in it, they've already got victims. What we're trying to do through fair trade is to prevent that from ever happening in the first place. So you have a father in Southeast Asia or Africa um, who is given this incredibly difficult choice between paying a debt or feeding their children or possibly even selling their children into slavery. Maybe they don't. Maybe with fair trade now they don't have that. That they have another choice, and that's that's where we that's where our passion comes from. We want to prevent it from happening in the first place. And if we're able to give people uh, additional choices, better choices, 
to maybe learn a skill, to develop um, their processes and, and, and create, use um, skills that have been passed down for eons, allow them to create these beautiful products that we are able to market here in the States, you know, how could we say no to that? Well, tell me a little bit about um, the kinds of products that you sell at Artisans Village and, and, and maybe even a story of, if you know them, of, of where they come from. Sure. Um, we sell everything under the sun. Um, we sell women's accessories, which is, you know, jewelry, scarves, purses. Um, we sell home decor items. Uh, we sell coffee, tea, and chocolate. Um, and we have a really cool story. There's um, there's a pair of earrings that we sell. They're gold, and they, they're in the shape of a piece of. And they're, they come from Cambodia. And those Cambodians go and they find um, bullet casings and unexploded bombs from the war there, and they make those into jewelry. And um, they made them into peace doves, and they say peace in English and peace in Khmer on them. And uh, it's just a really cool story of how they brought violence and what they have, the natural resources. Well, I guess it's not a natural resource, but what they have there to use and, um, you know, taking the violence of that and, and putting it into a symbol of peace, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's a, an act of transformation, isn't it? Absolutely. We have scarves that are made out of a, a product called viscose. It's a naturally occurring fiber in the environment. And when we first started receiving those scarves into stock, I didn't know what viscose meant, so I looked it up. Banana fibers hmm. as a, was one example that they gave. So when, when you're talking about this whole, you know, this fair trade as part of a, a an equitable um, trading relationship, it's also equitable with the environment. The dyes that are used in these processes are all naturally occurring. And so that you don't have the runoff and the waste that are typically associated with um, uh, with dyeing fibers, you know. And there are a number of guidelines in regards to fair trade of how you can be a part of it from the production end. Yes. Actually, it is inc- we're finding we thought it was difficult to become a fair trade certified store, which we're in the middle of. right. We're in that process right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is far more difficult from a manufacturing end of things to become fair trade certified because of the environmental stance that you have to take and the your willingness to then obviously guard the environment. So how is um, the oversight done? Primarily in the mainstream, we're, now we're talking mainstream, oversight is provided through the Fair Trade Federation and I would encourage anybody that's interested in fair trade to go check out their website. And then the World Fair Trade Organization, I would encourage people also to check out their website. They are an ind- they're independent. They are not funded by any manufacturing group, any retailers, any wholesalers, nothing like that. Uh, so, uh, and they, they are the ones that really police or enforce the 10 principles of fair trade. Uh, and they... To become a member, then you all you have to apply, and you, you really have to make yourself transparent to them, in an effort to become certified. What other what other kinds of things do you sell? We this summer we took on a line of Haitian made fair trade sandals. I'm actually wearing a pair today. Um, they're the soles of them are actually made out of recycled tires. 
It says on there, what does that say, power or something? I think it says power. Okay. Um, but we've had some in there that have had Michelin and Goodyear and bridge, a lot of bridge uh-huh. stones because of the European influence there. Um, a lady by the name of Julie Colombo went, uh, went to Haiti after the 2010 earthquake, uh, was living in a tent city, asking, how can I be of help? They created a, an organization called Rebuild Globally, and they have been, they put people to work. That's what the folks said they needed, so they put them to work um, with their with their master sewing skills that they have, they were able to create these one-of-a-kind sandals, and they've been selling them ever since. We took them on in the summer, um, and we ran a promotion all summer long that uh, for every pair of sandals that we bought or that that was purchased from our store, we in turn then bought uh, shoes through Souls for Souls here in Tennessee. And uh, they went to folks who... um, had endured the uh, tornadoes out in Oklahoma during the spring. So we hope to, we're in the process now of expanding that program to include the whole store. And the it's a very simple concept. Customer walks in the door, and for every purchase of $30 or more, we will then buy, continue to buy a pair of shoes for someone in need. Um, and that is that goes for all of our merchandise, not just sandals. Anything in the store totaling thirty dollars or more per purchase, we will in turn buy a, a pair of sandals for someone in need. Mike and Leah Short of Artisans Village, a fair trade retailer, are my guests on Religion for Life. If you are just joining us, and you are the only one around here, there's Asheville, North Carolina, has a fair trade retailer. Yeah, we are a 10,000 Villages Alliance store. Okay. Yeah, tell us about that because there's, there are, it's 10,000 Villages and Serve, Rainbow Tree, Equal Exchange. Can you tell us just a little bit about those organizations? Sure. 10,000 Villages came out of the Mennonite Church in 1946 with the idea that they would uh, branch out into the developing world, find again, find artisans and growers that were being exploited for their labors, uh, contract with them to get their products into the world market. And, and at that point, it, it was the United States. Um, Serve came out of the Brethren Church in 1949 with the same concept. Um, we took on 10,000 villages for two primary reasons. Number one, credibility. Um, I can, I can um, communicate a lot of things to you one-on-one, uh, through a conversation, but I think history, their history and their credibility says more than I could ever say, and their name recognition says says a lot about them. Um, and then also their reliability, their supply chain, their quality of the products, it's all there. And it really made sense for a new startup in this area that hasn't seen a lot of that, that we could, you know, we, we could really use that um, that branding. And I so think in on. some cases, some congregations or some organizations may have like a regional or a, 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 a particular sale at a certain time of the year. Yeah, there's seasonal there's sales. A, a seasonal mm-hmm. sale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there are several churches in the area that I believe uh, do that, especially during the holidays. And we're very supportive of that. Um, I've talked to a lot of those folks and, you know, we're willing to help them with whatever it is that they need to make those work. I think one thing that is incredibly important, and it, it kind of dovetails with this this idea of branding, and that is um, education. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly important that we that 
we as people who have embraced fair trade get the word out. We try to inform people about what the, what is going on in the world. We try to encourage them to think differently, which hopefully will inspire them to act differently. And so uh, with that said, we will we have committed to this idea that you know, running the store gives us a platform to be able to inform and educate because we think that's where that's where the lasting change will come. And so um, we'll go anywhere. We will talk to anybody. No strings attached. You give us a call, email us, check us out on Facebook, and we will um, we're, we're happy to come and give a presentation, answer questions about what fair trade is, why it's important to us, and how you can become involved. Well, how can people come involved? I noticed uh, five ways that you can respond on the uh, brochure. One is advocate for change. Call or write your elected officials. What kind of things do you would, would you like our elected officials to know and do? I think probably the most important thing is uh, what they're doing right now, and that is cracking down on human trafficking. That is one of the biggest issues associated with this whole idea of fair trade. Mm-hmm. Um, Continue the effort um, to bring people to justice who need to be. In addition to that, I think they also need to uh, be very aware that uh, prevention is important. Like I say, you can catch the perpetrators after the fact, but why not try to prevent this from happening? And the way to do that, obviously, is to give give the folks who are uh, at risk more options. And so I think any time that we can enact um, regulations or any kind of uh, policy that would make people aware of what's going on in the world, I think that's a good thing. Another aspect of education regarding fair trade is is the whole idea of consumption. Um, uh, what we consume, all of the things we consume, the idea of infinite economic growth. I mean, some of those issues are uh, being challenged by the idea of fair trade. And, and, and what is it we need to be? What are we to do on this earth as human beings in regards to earth's resources, in regards to people? Unlike uh, many of our competitors and friends in the retail business, we're going to, if we, if we have the chance to sit down and have a conversation with uh, a customer that comes in our door, we're going to tell them, you know, that we're about them consuming less, but consuming more wisely. Mm-hmm. It's not. I, I don't. I don't want to bring you into my store so that I can figure out how I can sell you more. I want you to come into the store and and introduce you to this concept of fair trade, and really show you what it means to have purchasing power. It's one thing to. To, to be able to buy as much as you can, as often as you can. But it's quite another to, to, to consciously make the decision when you do buy something, that you buy it knowing that you are adding to the quality of life for somebody else and not, and not taking away. I'll give you a really good example of, of, this converse, of a conversation that I mm-hmm. had at Christmas time. A lady, we were in the mall, and we were in a small kiosk, and... The lady came up to the booth, and I engaged her, and um, I told her that we she was looking at our jewelry, and I told her we have some beautiful scarves on the other side. And she's like, I just bought a scarf for $5. I bet you can't beat that. Hmm. And I was, 
I was ready for that conversation. I've, I've kind of been chomping at the bit for that conversation. I said, no, ma'am. I said, I can't beat that. And I said, I don't want to do what it takes to beat that. And we op- and so I, I was able to open up this dialogue with her about there, about it's not it's not just about price. You bought that scarf for five dollars on the back of someone who couldn't who had no other choice. That that's a totally different perspective than what we get in the mainstream media. Right. Somebody that there's a cost for that five dollar scarf. Exactly. That cost is Who's the environment. Paying? The cost is human trafficking. The cost yeah. is all of these things that you're talking about. Exactly. You no, know, it's sweatshops, um, deforestation. Mm-hmm. Whatever it might be in terms of, of, of global environmental issues as well. Exactly. Tell me about fair trade stores. Uh, if, if someone, um, h- how it actually works. Um, um, how, how, what kind of work do you do to manage this store? If someone listening to this program might say, hey, I'd like to start up perhaps a, a similar artisan's village uh, where I live. How do they go about something like that? Or how did you get started? Well, I mean, um, once... Once the passion was there, once we really got our hands on what it is that we wanted to do, um, we just started looking. Um, we went and did um, traveling and looked at all the different fair trade stores that we had um, could come across, um, picked the brains of the people who were managing it, what what works for them, what didn't work for them. But um, And then, as Michael said, we just picked up um, wholesale accounts from very credible um retailers and wholesalers that have been doing this for a really long time and were able to bring product in. Now, our ultimate passion is really wanting to go out and travel once our stores really um, just kind of in a good spot and be able to go and travel and find more independent people who can't get their goods to to market here in the States quite yet because you have to be fairly big um, organization working out there in a different country to be able to get paired up with some of these wholesalers. Um, and so we want to go ahead and try to find some of those small small people who can't really quite get get hooked up with a, a larger wholesaler. Um, but that's basically what we did. Um, a lot of research, a lot of education, educating ourselves, um, figuring out, you know, um, what was best and who was best to go with and just a lot of learning on our part. People don't get into fair trade um, because it's a cool thing to do or because there's a lot of money to be made. Mm-hmm. But what you do find when you are when you meet these folks, they're incredibly warm, helpful, loving people who are who will do whatever it takes to um, help your help you pursue your your passion. I think if nothing else, I would say. Visit as many stores as you can that are fair trade. Talk to as many managers as you can. And do as much research as you can possibly fit into your brain. I think that people, um, when they know the story behind the products that they purchase or consume, uh, their their hearts change. And I I think that people will naturally want to buy uh, from fair trade the things that they, they need uh, because uh, their, their, their purchasing actually does good for the world. And, and like I said before, that, that is the true definition of purchasing power. To know that when I buy that necklace or when I buy that uh, scarf or that bag of chocolate, I'm giving people choices 
that they may not have had otherwise. Choices that will impact not only them, but their villages, their larger communities and their countries for a long time. And I think if we have, if we haven't learned anything since uh, September 11, 2001, we've learned that we live in a very close community around the world. And what we do here has an impact on people a continent away. And, you know, there's a lot of talk in the Bible about um, loving your neighbor. And we love our neighbor because they are made in God's image. And if that is true for me, and it's true for my neighbor across the street, it's just as true for my neighbor a continent away. And I don't want anybody to ever lose sight of that because there's a, there's there's a, something to be said for that that human dignity that that, that thought demands, and um, we need we need to um, we need to be very mindful of that when you know when we're out buying Christmas presents or when we're just doing our routine shopping. We need to be very aware of how does it affect the environment, how does it affect the affect the people that are doing the work, and what kind of long, long-term long consequences is that going to have? And you two are willing to go to any organization, including faith communities, uh, to talk about uh, fair trade. Uh, for example, I think of faith communities, we often don't think about it, um, Palm Sunday, buying palm branches from uh, a fair trade retailer yes. or a fair trade organization, as opposed to uh, the commercial ones, in which really does have environmental oh, uh, yeah. effects in terms of... Um, deforestation or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, um, you know, we've even gone so far as people have commented on some of the, the some of the items that we do have in our store that would be perfect. They're fair trade items that would be perfect for communion or or things of that nature. Um, and, you know, really, I mean, when we when we opened up, we never really even considered that. But I, I think that I, I think that as we grow and as we develop, um, we hope we hope the community will come come alongside of us in that journey. Um, because again, what we do here is going to have an impact on somebody somewhere. And like you said before, cost is not measured merely in dollars and cents. And we really need to be aware of that. Artisan's Village is the store, a fair trade retailer uh, in uh, downtown Johnson City on 300 East Main Street. That's the the King Center. And Leah and Michael Short are the managers of this store, and they are with me in the studio today. And and we're just just wrapping up. Can you tell us just a little bit about uh, your store hours and how people might get connected with you? You also have a web presence. We are on Facebook. Um, right now, and we're we're working on developing a website. Um, but right now, we are on Facebook. You can check us out on Facebook and everything that we offer. We do a lot on Facebook of just trying to um, educate people on Facebook. We also do, you know, post some of our promotions on there. So check us out on Facebook. Um, our we're open Monday through Saturday. Um, we're open ten to six. Um, Friday and Saturday, we've been open um, ten to eight. Um, currently, we've been opening later, later hours, just kind of trying that out right now. So, um, but yeah, and we're closed on Sunday. Mike and Leah Short, my guest on Religion for Life, managers of Artisans Village at King Center in Johnson City. Thank you both for being with me today. Thank you. 
You've been listening to Religion for Life at the intersection of religion, social justice, and public life. I'm John Schuck, the minister at First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee. Our website is fpcelizabethton.org. For more information about Religion for Life, including links to podcasts and information about upcoming shows, go to religionforlife.com. Also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes. Religion for Life is co-produced by WETS-FM and WETS-HD1, Johnson City, Tennessee, and WEHC, Emory, Virginia. Be well.